This episode of Slapcast is proudly sponsored by Manifest Media. Building a brand is hard, but Manifest Media is here to help you improve your social channels and digital marketing strategies. Visit manifestmedia.info for more information. Slapcast. This is episode 11 of our coverage of the 2021-22 season. I'm your host, Gage, as usual, and tonight we have a bit of a reduced panel because our good friend and uh, long-lost brother Josh is out uh, getting some rest from his many endeavors over the week. Um, but I am still, as always, joined by Reese. Hello, Reese. Hello. And I'm also joined by Ethan. Hello, Ethan. Hello, Gage. How are you doing? I am a little under the weather, actually. I think allergies are kicking in now that the weather's starting to warm up a little more so i'm feeling yeah, the same feeling the wrath from that right now yeah completely but agree i'm also uh i was just talking to reese about this too i've been playing elden ring and i've been full of yeah. rage for <laughs> for no for no small period of time so i'm sure reese is familiar with that as well i am yeah um well before we get started talking about soccer since Josh is not here. I thought we'd answer a question like we always do. I just thought of one off the noggin, and I'm gonna say this is this is a pretty nice one. It's pretty mellow. What is your favorite season? Um, winter. Winter. I okay. think I think mine is probably well. I was gonna say spring. If allergies weren't a thing, it would be spring. But my allergies are always the worst in the spring, so I'd probably have to say fall, because I really like seventy degree weather. <laughs> we don't get much of it in Texas ever, so it was actually like that today. It was nice today, so I was very happy yeah. about that. Reese, I agree with you, but what's what's like your main reason? Um, there's a few reasons. Uh, the first one is weather for, and even that reason has a couple of things with it I, I always find it's harder to cool off than it is to heat up so i prefer older weather because i can just throw on that layers. is true yeah uh, and i also hate being sweaty so i hate hot weather yeah um, the other thing is is that i like winter clothes better than summer clothes um, yeah, i agree with that too actually uh the last thing is that when i think of winter i think of christmas like the season of winter is basically the season of christmas for me because Christmas is no longer just the day. It's like the full winter season. It's like a five-month event. Yeah. I guess post-Christmas it dies down a bit, but, you know, like all of December is Christmas time for me. Um, you know, January is New Year's time, even though that's only one day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. We get an extended break from, from classes as well, which is fun. Yeah. I completely agree with all of what Reese said. Um you know, as a former big guy, I used to be always hot all the time, so that winter weather would come in clutch. And uh, I was that guy who would wear shorts in the winter. That's just who I am. I was always hot, so I could handle it. But definitely winter for me as well, because um, I love Christmas as well. And yeah, don't like sweating. And I think I think it'd be between winter and fall. It falls like it starts getting towards like winter weather, and it's like the leaves and stuff. 
It's you guys nice. make a pretty good case, actually. I might change my answer because <laughs> my only my only reason for fall is like weather, but we only get like two weeks of that anyway. So yeah, right. my, hey, my birthday's in fall. Yeah, yeah, mine's in the middle of the summer, so I'm always yeah. melting. Dude, my twenty first is on a Monday, and I'm gonna be at work. That's terrible. I know. That was I think that was mine as well. Yeah, so I'm gonna have to. I guess the weekend after, I'll have to do something probably, but yeah, yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. Um, Anyway, I thought that was a nice little quiz. Was it? It was a nice question. Yeah, when you first said that, I thought when you first said that it was cozy, I thought you were kidding, and you're about to ask us some like extreme question. (laughs) Like I don't know why I thought you weren't being serious, but no, no, no. This is like this makes you just relax a little bit. You're just asking your favorite season. Yeah. Josh likes to ask like what your favorite Marvel movie and favorite fruit is, but those are and those are good questions. He's a fruity but guy. You got it. Yeah, he is a fruity guy. <laughs> I think that's the main reason why he wasn't here today. He's just a fruity guy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, let's move on to some soccer. Yeah, we do have a few uh, quick news items out the gate to discuss. First of all, and we won't spend too much time on this because this is not cozy at all. Um, UEFA has sanctioned Russia. Um, just like every, pretty much every other place in the world. Um, and they've decided to remove the Russian clubs from the knockout stages, which I think is just Spartak, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, I think so. And then they've also disqualified them from the World Cup qualifying, uh, the national team, that is. So, I don't, I mean, I don't have that much to say about that. Um, uh, just, it's just a quick news item. Yeah. Um, I mean... That was, I mean, obviously Russia's in the wrong here, but like, it's it stinks because you know during the World Cup, it, you, you kind of saw like a renaissance, with like the Russian players, because you know before they hadn't been that good. Yeah, and so. I think generally the, uh, I I have a hard time believing that the Russian soccer team is involved in yeah. the war in any way. Yeah, so right. It's more right. About, you know, stopping any form of revenue. Yeah, of course. No, I get it. It just sucks for the players. Like, it does, yeah. yeah. You are actually seeing some some professional athletes, like uh, professional Russian athletes, as well as Ukrainian athletes, you know, making public statements and stuff, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, there was that moment on the weekend where um, the two Ukrainian players from uh, the Vitaly Mikolinko from Everton and uh, I think was it it was Zinchenko, Zinchenko. yeah Zinchenko yeah. from City uh, that had an embrace so. There's also a cool moment I saw in the the Portuguese league where uh, Roman Yeremchuk, uh, who plays for Benfica, is a striker. Uh, he played really well for them at the Euros. Um, he came on as a sub, and uh, Jan Vertonghen took him the armband, and the crowd did like a whole one minute applause thing, and he was he was pretty emotional. So it was a it was a cool moment. But yeah, we'll uh, swiftly abandon the um, sort of unpleasant talk, I think, and uh, move on to. Marcelo Bielsa, who's been dismissed. Um, yeah. I think, I, I mean, I think it's just, it's been coming. Like, yeah. it's just sad because he's one of these, like, heraldic figures in soccer. Like, he's kind of a legend of the game. Um, yeah, it's it's tough, too, because a lot of people after this are, you know, I've seen stuff on Twitter about, you know, oh, I don't know why he is... He's overrated manager, you know, blah, 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 this and that. And I'm like, you know, it was Leeds. Like, Leeds are a good team and they have some good players, but 
like he has done some outstanding things with the team. You, you can only take them so far, you know. Yeah, and I, I feel like his I reputation like the, the way that it ended is hurting his reputation a bit. It is, and I, th- I mean, he kind of famously has some weird, um, weird things at club level. Like I know his time at Lille was uh, particularly turbulent, but he's more like a great philosopher of soccer. I mean, he basically created yeah. what went on to become like the Pep Guardiola, Mauricio Pochettino type uh, managers who dominate the world now. Um, so. You know, he's, he's kind of a background influence figure of sorts. Um, and they've hired an American as well. First American hire since Bob Bradley, uh, unless yeah. you count David Wagner, although he's kind of a, he's kind of an asterisk. Um, but yeah, Bob Bradley was the last American for Swansea, and he didn't do so well. So hopefully Jesse Marsh uh, can do a little bit better. He's, uh, he's actually he's somebody that I wanted the U.S. national team to look at because when he managed... He's one of these uh, Red Bull products because uh, he mm-hmm. managed in Salzburg before and he uh, did really well there. And then he got the Leipzig job and didn't do quite as well. But um, he just disappeared. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it's exciting. It's just I don't I don't know too too much about him. I know he's a progressive coach and I know he's American, so I'm excited to see how he does. Yeah, I I really don't know anything about him besides that he's American, but it's just cool to see. Um, I mean, we saw it with the players. There was like a mass um, migration of American players to Europe uh, as of late, and it's cool to see um, an American coach in the Prem now. And he's also very young, which we haven't seen uh, a young American manager ever in the Prem, I don't think. so. The other thing, too, is you often see managers – you know, they have players on their radar that are often of the same nationality as them yeah. just because that's who they know. So if he um, has some success at Leeds, we could see even more uh, American players uh, coming to the Prem, potentially. Yeah, it, it. I mean, it has the potential to be very exciting for uh, for U.S. soccer. I think anytime you get um, personnel in, there's always an opportunity for growth. Um so, yeah, let's move on to uh, match reviews. We'll start actually with Reese because Arsenal didn't play at the weekend. Why? I, I actually missed out on this. Why didn't they? Oh, because... Um, the Carabao Cup final? Oh, so maybe? you guys were supposed to play Liverpool, I think? Yes. And then... Yeah, we were. Yeah, the Carabao Cup final. Okay. Because I was thinking, like, the it's not the Club World Cup because that already happened, but... No, yeah, it was Carabao Cup final. Um, But we did have a midweek game. Uh this past week that we did not get to talk about yeah that's what i was so uh passing it off to you for so yeah so we played wolves again um and it was a thrilling exciting game man and um yeah this was just such a pleasure to watch because <laughs> i mean we dominated this game wolves had a goal due to due to due to a uh mistake from Gabrielle though it really wasn't their own making um I guess you could say the press is what caused it but um yeah it was just a mistake with playing out from the back which which is gonna happen when you do it as much as us I wasn't too upset about it you know I was just like you know we would need to just pick ourselves up carry on and we really did we responded super well dominated pretty much the entire game after that point and the Emirates was something else I mean I obviously I'm just watching on TV and 
it, this was this atmosphere was just unbelievable um like obviously we were playing well but the atmosphere was so good that all i could think about the whole time even though we were losing up until the 80th minute was we're going to win this game like the, the fans were just absolutely dominating the game really it, it was it was weird because it was it was such a good performance from uh from the players but the fans kind of stole the show here um really urging the players to to make the comeback and we did uh grabbed an equalizer in the 80th um courtesy to uh arteta's substitutions um both of them linking up on this goal i believe it was because he subbed on enketia and pepe and man they both had phenomenal games when they came on didn't put a foot wrong um worked really hard and yeah they combined for the first goal uh pepe got us level and then the 95th minute uh of added time which a lot of people are saying karma because wolves were um doing quite a bit of time wasting in this game so this this added time was completely due to their it was their own making um i think it went down as an own goal i haven't actually checked it did uh, yeah i just looked too. but jose saw yeah Lacazette had one um, that ended up going down as an own goal. I'm fairly confident that if Saw had not touched it, Sokka would have put it in because he was there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man. And when that went in, it was just something else. I, I think I tweeted about it. I said, um, the the original tweet I responded to, this was the first time under Arteta that we have won a game that we were losing at halftime, I believe. Yeah, that was that's crazy. Um, yeah, and I tweeted, I tweeted a culture shift because this really was th this was. I think th looking back on this moment down the road in in a season or two, this is like the defining moment of this um, rebuild project. Because um, yeah, it was just fantastic. I it, it's a little bit diminished since the um, the West Ham game. West Ham beat them on the weekend, but uh, before that West Ham game, I think Wolves only had two losses in their previous 10 matches and they were both against us yeah um which i thought was cool to see but yeah man we were, we were just so good in this game yeah so just out of curiosity i this game was happening while i was in class so i wasn't watching it but um did the tactical stuff did it stay the same as from the brentford game like was the identity very yeah. similar yeah i think it was the exact same lineup actually um Martinelli found his way back in the team at left wing. Um, Sokka on the right, Lacazette up top, Odegaard Cam. Xhaka party midfield with Xhaka slightly higher. Um, so yeah, it was it was pretty much the same lineup there. So I think I think this is probably what we're gonna be sticking with for the future. Yeah, and I kind of think, like you said, with the West Ham defeat at the weekend, I think Wolves. I mean, I'm not trying to... This this might sound, like, disrespectful. It's not meant to be disrespectful, but I think they may be coming back down to earth slightly a little bit. Because um, yeah. I think it's fair to say they've been overperforming um, mm. what they probably should be. But, you know, full credit to them. I mean, they deserved every win that they got. But I think now it's finally just starting to slow down for them a little bit. Uh, of course, I say that and watch. They're going to go 10 unbeaten again or something. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and wanna... then... Sorry, yeah, what's ahead. up? Good. No, uh, well, I was just gonna say, I feel like the the Pepe and Inketia thing is really kind of a microcosm of the whole situation because those are two players that have been maligned for pretty much the entirety of yeah. Arteta's tenure, and here they are contributing in a big way in a huge moment. So 
Yeah, and he, I mean, he said recently, um, he hasn't spoken so much about Enketia, but he said in a recent interview, you know, Pepe looks so different after AFCON. Um, he's just a completely different player, blah, blah, blah. And then this happens, and, you know, Pepe, he did look completely different. He came on, he only played for about 20 minutes, but he influenced the game in such a huge way. Because he, he also got the assist on the... Or if it hadn't gone, gone down as an own goal, Pepe would have had the assist, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's uh, right. Although yeah. Lacazette did most of the work on that, to be fair. But Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just so over the moon with this with this result. It was such a huge result, too, um, with, uh, obviously, spoiler alert, y'all dropping points to Burnley. Um, United dropped points. And, yeah, and United dropping points to, uh, to Watford. Um, so, yeah, it was absolutely huge. Um, what I was going to say, uh, I saw a graphic let me see if i can quickly pull it up um but they ran the i, don't, I say they i don't know who i'm talking about when i say they but i'm gonna say it anyway <laughs> the pronoun uh, game yeah they ran the statistics um with top four qualifications based on previous results and uh, i can read them for you so west ham were this is out of arsenal man U spurs west ham in order from last to first, it's West Ham 3%, Spurs 13%, Man United 23%, and Arsenal 61%. Obviously, that's based on previous results, which um, don't really mean anything, but uh, it's very exciting times to be an Arsenal fan right now. Yeah, I think, I mean, last week I said that I thought Spurs were nailed on to get top four, but I think after this week, it's kind of, it started, I mean, I'd be stupid to not to admit that it's shifting a little bit. I mean... The only thing I think Spurs do have in the bag right now is the fact that Arsenal still have to play every big team except for City, um, and Spurs yes. have played quite a few already. Um, and of course, we still have to play each other. So if Spurs win that, then we could be in better shape. But um, man, that North London derby is be looking huge. large. Yeah, and of course, I, I've I, I've seen even more reports since the last time we talked about it that it's going to be pushed pretty close to the end of the season so we'll yeah. we'll have to see how it goes but i mean from a financial standpoint it just makes the most sense because this game is going to have it's already such a huge game but at this point in the season it's going to have such a huge result on the table potentially that yeah. um they're going to want to have prime time for that you know good time slot in, in may get a lot of eyes yeah i really hope it's not a midweek game uh, no, I, surely I, it, it, there's no chance. Well, I don't know. Is I don't know if there's any weekends built in. Like, are there? I guess the only well, see, I'm afraid of the only way that this happens is if Spurs get knocked out of the FA Cup, which I don't want to happen, obviously. Um, yeah. So, but because I'm afraid that if we don't get knocked out of the FA Cup in time, that we're gonna have to play it on a midweek. But yeah, I agree. I mean, it'd be stupid for them to not have it on a weekend, but it may just work out that way. Yeah. Um, so we'll have to see, but I guess that's a good enough segue to switch over to Spurs, unless you have a, a final thought on Arsenal. Uh, that's pretty much it. It's just a really, really good result. Really fun game to watch. Um, on to the next one, I guess. Yeah, well, I have a very not fun game to watch to talk about. <laughs> um, <laughs> Spurs doing the classic thing and uh, going up to Burnley and losing. Um yeah, I mean, we predicted that here on the on the Slapcast. Yeah, well, you did. I, I think I was a little bit more bullish on Spurs, but um, I think, man, Spurs are just such a weird club. But, 
Yeah, I mean, this is really the thing. Like last week, you said this exact thing that against we we because we played the same lineup that we played against City. No changes in in shape, no changes in personnel, nothing. And again, I mean, because City were able to control possession, that Spurs were able to exploit the spaces that they left and um, utilize the fact that City had a high line. Uh, and if you know anything about Burnley, you know that they don't do either of those things. So no, they do not. Thirty-four uh, percent possession in this game. Yeah, and I mean, this really just reinforces the narrative that the easiest way to beat Spurs is just to let them have the ball. I mean, because it it this is really interesting. Sorry to interrupt you. No. Despite their low percentage, they actually outperformed y'all in shots on target and in shots, just in general. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. Like, Spurs do this classic thing where we have the ball in this sort of semicircle that it, it, the, exists around the 18-yard box, and we just pass it around the semicircle and then pass it back to the center backs and then pass it into the semicircle and kind of keep rotating the ball. And then by the time that there's enough space open for a cross, like, Burnley center backs are on it. So, yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's this classic thing for Spurs that has, ever since like the end of the Pochettino era that we just haven't been able to break down teams uh, successfully yeah. at all. And defensively, I thought we were actually all right. I mean, yeah, Burnley had quite a few shots in this game, but most of them were either, you know, comfortably wide or, or they were easy enough saves for Lloris. Um, so we, we did a pretty good job controlling them, but then, of course, we're undone by a set piece, um, as we seem to yes. be so frequently. That's where, that's where Burnley are most dangerous, too. Yeah, and it just, it's... It's another inexplicable mistake from one of the team's best players. I, I don't understand. Like, the past, I don't know, like, four or five games, which have been have largely been shambolic from Spurs, it's our defending as a whole concept has actually largely been pretty okay. It's just there's these inexplicable mistakes that happen. I mean, you saw against against uh, Wolves, it was Lloris. Against City, it was Lloris. And now... This time it's Christian Romero who has been playing brilliantly, but um, pretty much just allows Ben Mee to walk on to a free header at the back post. Um, just completely didn't track the man, even though it was his only responsibility on the set piece. So just these inexplicable mental mistakes that um, cost Spurs the goal. Because while I don't necessarily think that we would have gone on to win the game, I do think that without that set piece, it finishes nil-nil, which is obviously preferable. Um, if not desired. So, I don't know. I mean, Spurs just feel like an extremely one-dimensional team. It feels like for the past, like, three consecutive hires, the only ways, managerial hires, of course, I'm talking about, uh, the only ways that we've been able to to create chances and to score goals is on these, like, fast breaks and on counterattacks and um, just relying on Kane and Son and now on the, the counterattacking patterns to create chances for us and yeah, it works fine against teams that hold a high line, but how many teams in the Premier League do that anymore? And yeah, even like fewer of them are going to do it coming maybe. against a big, like one of the so-called big six, you know, because teams come in to play Spurs and they think, well, we're going to set up defensively because this team has, you know, good enough players to hurt us if we don't. So a lot of teams are going to sit in, and, and rightfully so. I mean, it's it's literally the proven that that's the way to beat us. So... Yeah, it's Spurs too. It was ben- Benton Kerr got injured in this game, right? Yeah, it was a really. Na- I mean, uh, it was in the weather in this game was abysmal. By the way, like sheets of rain coming down. 
Um, and, and Bentinger, yeah, he went for one of these like 50, 50 challenges where he kind of had to stretch for it and his legs just went the opposite direction. Like mm-hmm. it, it was a pretty nasty slip. I mean, it's just one of it. It's so Spurs because he's never been injured in his entire career, and as soon as he shows up to Spurs, this happens. I mean, it just it feels so. Um, same thing happened with Lacelso; like he was never injured, and then he was perpetually injured for Spurs. But yeah, and then Spurs again can't score from set pieces. I mean, we had a litany of opportunities in this game, and the best thing we got was a Kane header that hit the crossbar. And other than that, I mean, we looked, I mean, diabolical from set pieces again, like we always do. So. You know, the most interesting thing from this game that I thought that I want to get your thoughts on was uh, actually Conte's uh, interview after the game because he was harsh and probably deservedly so, but like really harsh. Yeah, I mean, he starts coming out and saying like, well, maybe I'm not a good manager. Maybe I'm not this, you know, maybe this team is so bad that we're going to have to reconsider what we're thinking about in the future and stuff like that. I mean, the the reality is he he may not be wrong but as far as i mean it, it did feel like a very emotional overreaction to a defeat in a fixture that we have lost on uh, multiple occasions i feel like it's just the culmination of so many bad performances in a row i think the city game is kind of an anomaly so i think you have to leave it out when you're evaluating um what spurs are right now and if you take the rest of those results in isolation, the Wolves game... Uh, well, let's go back actually to the three games against Chelsea. Um, the Wolves game, the Southampton game, and then the Burnley game as well. I think you have to start asking questions. Um, and I think we're seeing another one of these things where we often talk about this with Pep. And we haven't had the chance to, to see how he would do in this scenario. But Conte may not know how to effectively manage a squad that is not that good. (laughs) Um, Because we, we, that's the reality of it. I mean, Spurs have some excellent individual players, but on the whole, the squad is still probably not up to scratch. Um, And and that's something that Conte is having to deal with, especially in the midfield, which is such a key area in the modern game. And um, he's, I mean, he's struggling. The team is struggling. It's, it's perplexing to me that, we still are insisting on trying the same thing over and over again in these scenarios. Like, again, in the City game, okay, I get it. I mean, you came in with a plan and it worked, but you cannot then replicate that plan in all of these other matches and expect it to work the same because no team in the league plays like City does. So you have to change things in order to make stuff happen in a different game state. I mean... So that, that's what really perplexes me about the whole thing. And this is a thing that we've seen, not just Conte. It's like being in the Spurs job gives people brain poison. I don't know what it is, but it just it seems to be the way that it is. And I can't explain it, but it, it, it's pretty frustrating. Now, a little bit more positively, Spurs obviously were sort of the catalyst for Marcelo Bielsa to be sacked because um, we put in a, a good performance, a 4-0 victory against Leeds on the weekend as well. Uh, which I was pleased about because I was up at 6.30 to watch the game, and um, I'm infamously not very happy about Spurs putting in stinkers at 6.30 in the morning for uh, <laughs> for me, which has happened more often than I would care to admit. But this game is kind of... I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a great performance, and I'll take the three points any way that it, they come, but I don't think we learned much because leads were crap. Like, 
that's just the reality of it is leads were really bad and playing up playing their back line ahead of the halfway line for the majority of the time that they had possession is the exact thing that spurs want um so yeah. it that's it's, a that's a bielsa ism yeah and i respect i respect the commitment to the ideals but at some point you have to take a step back and say look at how bad spurs are in possession like why would we want to give them the opportunity to play the exact way that they want to play you know and i think that maybe is bielsa's greatest limitation is the fact that they are a one-dimensional team i mean i don't think i've ever seen Leeds play a different way than how they do um since he's been there so you know, I think all that kind of factored into why they felt it. I think technically he wasn't sacked. I think it was a mutual parting ways. Yeah. Not well, that it really makes a difference. I but. think that's just, um, they just gave him the option to say that. I think they were going to sack him either way. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a nice, nice version. I yeah, think it's that's a, more... a, hey, we're going to sack you. Would you like to instead do this mutually? <laughs> yeah, face. it's a little bit more respectable. And, um, you know, fair play. I mean... Leeds have had to make the decision that they've had to make, but yeah, I mean, look, the one positive for, or two positives really that I took from this game were number one, Dan Kulisevsky had another excellent game. Uh, he's proving to be extremely versatile because he's played in three different positions now across the five Premier League games that he's played, and he's looked qualified in all of them so far. I mean, as a, a 10 is probably his weakest position so far from what we've seen, although we haven't seen that a lot. Um, I still don't think he was bad. And then um, he also has played a little bit at right wing back, which he did in the Burnley game, and actually looked quite dangerous in the minutes that he did play there until Burnley scored, and then that kind of changed the, the dynamic of the game. But And then this classic role of his, which is the inside right forward, which is what he was playing in this game, and, and Leeds didn't have an answer for him. Um, he was really good, really physical. Um, he's not the quickest player in the world, but he really knows how to use his body. Um, he's, he's one of these players that, uh, every time he's on the ball, he's pumping head fakes, he's doing shoulder drops, like he's sending defenders left and right. And, um, yeah, it's really great to see. So I thought he had a really good game. And then the renaissance of one Matt Doherty occurred this weekend. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's, of course it's one game in isolation against a pretty bad team, but yeah, I mean, he scored his first goal for the club 18 months after signing and um, had an assist as well and could have, honestly, could have had a hat trick. He had a couple of chances where he ran in and behind and could easily have scored and, and had a hat trick should he should he have finished the chances. But yeah, we saw a little bit of this classic Conte wingback combination from Sessegnon and Doherty. Uh, the first goal was Sessegnon breaking into space and then playing a, a low cross all the way um across to the back stick and and doherty was there to put it away and then we almost saw the reverse um where doherty did the same for sessignon but he just missed um couldn't quite get to the cross so a little bit of classic wingback play for conte and then um of course harry kane is still world class he hit a ridiculous ball over the top to sun for the fourth goal um, i saw that did which, you send that uh i'm I don't might have just seen think I did, but yeah, um, absolutely absurd pass. And that actually was the goal that Son and Kane combined for that broke the record uh, for the most goal combinations in Premier League history. 
they're now on 29, which is clear of the record, which is currently belongs to Lampard and Drogba. Or, well, previously belonged to Lampard and Drogba, I should say. And, um, yeah, Harry Kane is now one goal away from uh, coming level with Thierry Henry in the all-time Premier League goal scorers list. That would put him sixth. Um, I am really blanking on who is fifth, but Harry Kane is three goals away from that as well because fifth is 177. So he is quickly approaching the um, absolute pantheon of Premier League goal scorers. And um, I think, honestly, like, he's on pace to break Shearer's record if he still plays. If he plays until he's 35, which is when Shearer retired, he's on pace to break the record, um, provided that he stays healthy, which is, I think, the biggest question. So, yeah, I think that's all I have on Spurs. Two results that we honestly don't learn that much from. I I mean, because the they were both sort of exactly what you would have expected going into it. And we'll I, have next week. Uh, we have Everton on Monday night, um, okay. which is going to be an should interesting be a game. Win. It, it it should be, but last time we played them, it was nil nil, and it was the worst game I've watched all season. Um, so I think neither team had Although a shot Everton on target. Everton kind of looked good in the City game; they got robbed slightly. Yeah, we could we can go on and talk about that in just a second, but um, yeah, they did look all right. I hope that Spurs have enough about them to, to win that game, but we'll have to see. And then the weekend after that is United, which is a huge game. Um, so, yeah, I think that's all I've got on Spurs. We uh, we will shift over now to Ethan, who um, Crystal Palace also had two games. They had a midweek game and then a weekend game. So I'm sure you uh, will probably like to start on the midweek game since it was quite a bit better performance. Um well, I'll actually, I want to stick to that one last, because I okay. have been waiting a long time to talk about this. Um, but we also played Burnley, and um, at first it looked like we were going to win, but uh, Lord and Lord have it, behold, Milivojevic scores an own goal to make it level with Burnley, so it ended 1-1. Um, I thought it was really weird that Vera, I mean, I guess he changed the team uh, from the win on during the week. Um, I could see maybe with players being tired and, you know, changing to Burnley's, like, how they play and stuff like that. But that's just... I feel like you have to go in with a team that is, like, fresh off a good win like that. But um, the team was completely changed. So that's, like, one of my quarrels with the game. But um, I thought we were started off pretty well. Zaha had a few chances. And um, Olise had a good assist to uh, Schlepp, who put it in. Um, there were a few times where I was actually nervous about Burnley going forward because they looked really lively in the second half. Um, I know we talked about it last time uh, we were on the podcast talking about who might get relegated, and I I kind of questioned Burnley if they could win these games uh, against the lower t- uh, the lower teams in the le- in the table. But, um, yeah, they, they might actually get out because, you know, they look really good. And, um, you know, what we're seeing with Leeds right now, they're just getting a new manager. So just adjusting to that... Um, new style of manager could like definitely bring them down and bring Burnley up. Um, but Vegas looks really good. Um, I was about to say he really fits their system. He does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they rely so much on those like set pieces, like corners and free kicks. And, and he's just, they, they like to get all up around Butland um, when he was in goal on the game. And he just, he would call, he was causing problems. He, he scored, but it was offside. Um, 
there's a deservedly offside. So um, I think we got lucky in that sense. But uh, yeah, I'm, with games against like, you know, Brentford and Norwich and Burnley, uh, we only got a, a few points out of that. So I'm a little bummed about that. But um, I'm trying to remind myself that this is a season of transition with Vera. So um, just the fact that we're not actually down in the zone, uh, the relegation zone is actually been uh i guess comforting in a in a way but um i'll happily move on to the week the weekday game against uh watford my uh probably one of my uh, the teams up there that i really don't like like in the league um and it makes it even better that they employed the old palace manager who i've had to suffer through uh many seasons with roy hodgson so um it was good that we finally uh or not finally but we beat them 4-1 and so it kind of just like it was kind of just a set. It set me free of Roy Hodgson for good. Could finally be released from the shackles of Roy. <laughs> closure. That was my closure. I um, I just, I I needed that for the soul because I feel like if we had lost, I would have been stuck in the the Roy loop. Like, oh man, now we're never gonna get anywhere because like Groundhog Day. You lose the game and then you wake up and it's yeah, it's two seasons ago and Roy is your manager again. I would probably like start crying, like on the spot. But no, but um, now we looked really good. Uh, Mateta had a good little deflection goal. Um, I'm glad he got that help with his confidence a little bit. Um, it was unfortunate that Suzuko actually scored from a corner right after that. <laughs> I was gonna so, point that out an absolute collector's item for Musa. Yeah, so that was I, I'm not a big fan of those kinds of goals because it's like I literally don't have a chance to like be happy about us being in front because it literally happened like two minutes later, but. Thankfully, Gallagher scored an amazing goal with a good cross from Mitchell. He brilliantly brought it down in the box and put it top left corner. And then during the second half, um, Roy couldn't find the answer, but um, saw had the answer for us and and saw the game off with um, a little dinky finish for the third and then a really top-class finish, kind of similar to the Norwich goal that he scored for the fourth. Um, so yeah, I... I think I think Vera got the team right uh, that game, um, so that's why I was kind of bummed that he didn't use it again. But I was going to um, point hoping... out that this was the exact midfield that you said they should use a couple weeks ago. This is the exact combination. <laughs> so, it, I, if Vera doesn't work out, you need to employ me. <laughs> You've heard it here. This is I'm the next one up. But um, I just think I think we have been lacking in the midfield um, with just with our our we've had. Uh, playing because I mean I mentioned it last podcast we need uh, players who can like hold on to the ball and actually like if we don't have the ball try and win it back and um, I just don't see us doing in that with Schlupp in the midfield um, like like I said last week and during the Burnley game we had Schlupp in the midfield so obviously we saw that happen <laughs> and he scored but um, it's because he's not a I, I don't think he's a really a midfielder he just happens to like you know make moves that are not you know, a, a true mid, like what a midfielder should, I guess. He kind of just like floats up kind of close to up top. So, but anyway, we've got Wolves coming up and then we've got City. So, um, I know Wolves are, um, they've had a decent season, but they're kind of on the downturn, like we talked about already. So maybe we can get a point from that or maybe we could, uh, upset City again. We did that early in their seat earlier in the season. So maybe we can do it again. Only team other than Spurs to beat them. So, Mm-hmm. Could happen again. You never know. 
Oh, and I just forgot, but we have Stoke tomorrow in the FA Cup, so I'm sure that'll be a good game, but I hope we can do it comfortably. <laughs> yeah, we've got Burrow. Um, I'm, I'm going to be in class, and I'm not going to bother to record it. I think I'll just let, we've let got... it be. And... <laughs> oh, that'll be a good one. <laughs> Very enjoyable fixture for you, I'm sure. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Reese, do you want to kind of put in a word on City and, and Everton and... Uh... Yeah, I mean, this is kind of the only... I'm looking at the results right now um, for any notables. There wasn't a whole lot, I guess. Um, yeah, Man U I dropping mean, points, I guess. There's not really anything to say about Yeah, Man U dropping points that, to Watford. But, but this, this City-Everton game was um, very controversial um, because it ended 1-0 with the goal in the 82nd minute. Uh, however, there was a handball incident from, I believe, Chancello or Rodri. Yeah. Um, and it was not given, uh, or I think it was given on the field and overturned by VAR, or it wasn't given on the field. So, allegedly, the explanation that has been given is that it was a penalty, but there was an offside in the buildup. Now, the reason that that's controversial, especially, is because on the broadcast, they did not show any check for offside. So there yeah. was never lines on the pitch, like they never said anything about it. And the VAR check in the stadium was announced as a penalty check, not an offside check. So Admittedly, they do, if, if, they, if they do a check for a penalty, they will then check to see if anything else was wrong if they decide to give it. And they may have just not communicated that information. Which is true, and I actually think it's probably the right call. I think the way they handled it is the problem. I mean, like, yeah, because especially you, for fans in the stadium. It, yeah. If you find that it's a penalty, you probably should then say you're checking for offside. Right. Um, because what I suspect and what I think you, I think you were agreeing is that they they probably saw it they said this is a penalty and then because of that they they went okay let's check and see if anything else was wrong they found the offsides and then they didn't give it um but i don't know did the ref i'm assuming the ref just signaled for because they didn't did they, did they even signal on the pitch for offside because they would have had to do that as well no the linesman didn't put the flag up um see that, that's where the the issue is that's where i'm wondering if Maybe it's just a serious case of miscommunication on the in the in in that sense, or I tell you or what maybe needs it's to an stop. after the fact decision. I don't know. But. What needs to stop is the linesman waiting a thousand years to put their flags up. Like if you know oh, yeah. it's offside, just put the flag up. Like especially because there's there's been so many cases now where um they won't put the flag up because they've been instructed not to, even if it is offside, and then the ball will go out of play. And now yeah. it's a new now it's a new uh, phase of play. So and they just let it go or on. It's like it's a the team has a corner, yeah. And if they yeah, score they from that corner. corner, they shouldn't have had it. Like, yeah. So it's it's ridiculous. I think I get it on the really marginal ones, but like if Stevie yeah. Wonder would be calling it offside, just put your flag up. Like it's there's no reason <laughs> for you to have the flag down in that situation. Yeah. So, I think they should just go with the clear and obvious rule. If the lineman, if the linesman thinks that it's not a clear call, then don't put your flag up. Like, yeah. But if he knows if, it's offside, then put it up. It, then, yeah. And it's also but, like a safety issue because if you have players like 
if if there's a play that is insanely offside and the linesman doesn't put the flag up, the players are going to assume that it's onside. So they're going to continue yeah. to play at their full force. And then you have people getting injured for no reason. So it's, I mean, it's just a disaster all around. But yeah, um, Lampard had some very harsh words for the for the refereeing after this game, as he should. Uh, he will probably be getting a fine. Um, I as, think that's ridiculous. As happens. I mean, it's happened so many times. I know. Arsene I just Wenger think it's is, such a stupid reason is, uh, to find someone. Yeah. Arsene Wenger is um, notorious for getting fined by the FA for speaking about the refs. Um, I, I see, a famous I, I quote from Wenger where he said something like, uh, when I die, my first question will be where the where the refs are <laughs> so that I can choose to go there. Yeah. Or so that I can choose not to go there. Something like that. Yeah. See, this is the problem. Like, I, w- I would get it if the refs had to come out and face the media after the game like the players do. But they don't. Yeah, but they don't. They are completely insulated and protected by the league even though they're terrible at their job. So, you know, I... <sighs> I don't get it. I just it it feels like other countries don't have this problem. Like you never hear about stuff like this in the Bundesliga. I mean, sure, there's an egregious decision every once in a while, but like you don't hear about stuff like this happening because the refs are just competent enough to make it happen. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason that no English referees ever get selected to go to the World Cup. It's because they're bad, <laughs> like, and everyone knows it. So I don't know. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. But the thing is, too, after that result. Um, Everton are now only one point clear of relegation currently. Yeah, um, and Burnley are with Burnley behind, who are on a it's a, they're on a streak of win win draw right now. So and they still have games in hand. So they also play Leicester next, which they, is very winnable. They Leicester play them tomorrow. Yeah, so I think this is I, th- I think correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is Burnley's last makeup game, or do they have another one? But uh. They have another one. Okay. Because uh, they're they've played twenty four. Okay, so they have two games in hand. Yeah, so I mean Everton could be in trouble here because like you said, that Leicester game is very winnable and Everton don't have a some, chance to play this weekend. Or this this some teams have played twenty seven. Yeah, man, I, I can't even keep track of how City, how many... United, West Ham and Palace and Brentford have all played twenty seven. You know, Brentford are not out of this, by the way. Like no, they're, they're not. They're three last points. Last results, loss, loss, draw, loss, loss, by the way. And they're th- only three points ahead of Burnley. They've got a pretty significantly inferior goal difference, and Burnley have three games in hand on them. So, yeah. I mean, when we played them not too long ago, they looked like, I mean, obviously we didn't win, but, like, they just did not look good at all. They have had injury problems, I will say. Um, so whenever they get some players back, Maybe their their fortunes will start to turn. And also, Erickson, we should mention, made his debut against Newcastle, um, which is great to see. First so, game uh, back. Yeah. Um, after I think it's less than less than a year, I think I saw since the incident happened, which is pretty impressive, really. Um. So yeah, Brentford obviously ended up losing that game. I think I think Newcastle are probably fine now. I think um, they've got enough enough. Uh, squad depth now and, and good enough players that they'll be okay but yeah yeah man I don't know Brentford are not out of the equation so because I think I think I still back Everton to get out of it at the end and I really back Burnley to get out of it so it could end up being between Leeds and, and Brentford um, 
But yeah, it's going to be an interesting relegation battle. No team is safe, and I mean, I want to say no team is out, but Norwich are falling further and further away, so maybe they are. But I think Watford are probably out too. Yeah. Which I I'm not too sad about. Good. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm happy about that. <laughs> yeah. We play them next. Um, you know, I. I and you guys don't play anyone. <laughs> Except, I mean, what? Wolves is someone, I guess. But I feel like Arsenal hasn't had a big fixture in like forever. I keep waiting for you guys yeah, to play. Like... All of them have gotten moved. I know. The Chelsea game got moved. The Liverpool game got moved. The Spurs the game, got moved. game got moved. Yeah. I keep waiting, like looking at Arsenal's schedule, and I'm like, man, maybe they're playing Liverpool this week or something. But no, <laughs> Let me they tell never you do. Matches. We have all of these are to be to be get continued on. or to be announced or whatever it is. Yeah, we have the Leicester or we have sorry, we have the Chelsea game and we have the game against y'all. The Liverpool game has been scheduled now. Yeah, I saw uh, it's midweek in March sometime. Yeah. So then I believe we have a game against United possibly. Yeah, I was looking. It's like way late in the season. Yeah. So I don't. We have not played them twice. Yeah. Yeah, we have United in April. Yeah, and that could be another big game. So, depending on United, that game will be at home though, and our home record, even when we've been in rough patches, has been phenomenal. I also don't think United are that good. Possibly the third. I don't either. I think we have possibly the best, the third best home record in the league. Uh. Since Arteta took charge. Yeah, I, I kind of, to be honest, like, even with Spurs being as inconsistent and weird as they are, I still back them to finish ahead of United, regardless of whether we finish fourth. I mean, because I just don't think United are a good team. I think I would too, yeah. Like, I yeah, so lots no, of questions I mean, around them. I think we're, we have three games in hand on United, and we're one point behind. Even if we lost against Liverpool and Chelsea... You know, we still have a game in hand against United and against y'all, which I think, you know, aren't 100%. I, I think it could, we could lose those games, but, you know, they're not as I mean, set in stone. Even if you lost and, all three of those games, like, you still are within grasp of United. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean. Because we have three games on them. Yeah, and West well, we're, Ham. Like, we're, two, we're two points behind because they, uh, they drew. Tired. Yeah. Now Spurs Spurs have somehow made up a game. Oh, it's because you guys didn't play at the weekend. I was gonna say Spurs have somehow made yeah. up a game, but yeah, and then yeah, I still think West Ham are fake. I think they'll fall away. And then it really just comes down to the three dickheads like it always does, I feel like. Like <laughs> it is literally always the three dickheads to see who is the the worst of the or who's the least bad of the three of us. Like but yeah, so we'll, we'll, it's going to be interesting. I do, I do think it is actually the best out of the three of us instead of the least bad. I kind of do too, yeah. And unfortunately, Unless United finish fourth, and then it's the least bad. <laughs> because then something yeah. has happened with Arsenal and Tottenham, and we have th- we have thrown away the league. Yeah, 100%. I, unfortunately, the, the, the scary thing for me is that I think Arsenal are the only team that's on the, the best half of that equation. I think Spurs and United <laughs> are still in the least bad part of that. So we'll see. But... Yeah, I can only hope that Arsenal lose every game they have against the Big Six to come for the rest <laughs> of the season. So, yeah, I think not a lot. Of, oh, we should talk about the Carabao Cup final, which was a turgid affair. Um, and yep. then ended with, this is so funny, Chelsea subbing on Kepa as a penalty specialist 
not saving a single penalty and then blazing one over the bar to lose them the game. Didn't they bring him on? This happened. Where they were going to bring on Caballero against City. And Kepa stayed on, and then they lost that shootout, didn't they? Yeah, and well, no, uh, no, they actually, uh, well, no, they did lose that shootout, but no, that was the game where um, Kepa was hurt, and they yeah. were trying to sub him off, and he but refused they, to come off the pitch. I think they were going to sub on Caballero anyway because he used to play for City. Yeah, and he, I think he's a bit of a specialist too. And yeah. Anyway. Yeah, but Kepa yeah, refused to come off on penalties in this game. Yeah, it's it, it was literally the exact same as the Europa League final with Manu and uh, Villarreal. It was like eleven ten, and then it came down to the the goal te- uh, goalkeeper missing a penalty. Except at least De Gea got it on target. Kepa put yeah. it thirty feet over. But yeah, I saw somebody said on Twitter or Reddit, I can't remember that Kepa lined up to take the penalty like a goal kick, and he really did, man. It it would have been a great goal kick. <laughs> I mean. I, I guess I can't blame him for missing. He's a goalie. What you can blame him for is not saving a single penalty up until that point. <laughs> yeah, because not it was, it'd be different if every penalty was a belter, but they weren't. Like, the penalties were not even that good. Like, it, if you flipped a coin, you would save a penalty more often than Kepa did. Yeah. You know whose penalty was... I think I thought Kelleher's penalty was actually really good. Like, it was one of the better penalties in the game. So, fair play to him, but... Yeah, I mean... Yay, Liverpool, the Tin Pot Cup. I don't know. I mean, yeah. the only trophy left it. for Klopp to win is yeah. the FA Cup now. So. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, no one. I've always said no one cares about Carabao Cup unless you win. Um, but I saw a bunch of United fans like posting about how uh, they were like making fun of Liverpool's celebrations in the in the dressing room, not oh, even yeah. like public, in the dressing room. And I was like. So somebody responded, and they were like, Man United's so allergic to winning that they forgot what it's like <laughs> to win a trophy. I saw that. It was some guy on Twitter. It was like the video of Simicast doing a dumb dance in the middle yeah, of the... It was like, it was like this, is not, this is not the roast that you think it is. You're just incriminating yourself. Yeah. Yeah, it was, I mean, whatever. Like, it's not even, it wasn't even a public celebration. It was a, it was a dressing room Literally. Celebration. It's like, God, let them be. They want a trophy, like negative five years after you did so it, it, what yeah. does it matter but that that negative five that didn't make sense but you know what i mean um well all right unfortunately uh ethan and i are both extremely busy and didn't even think about making a quiz really to be honest so uh we don't have yeah. a quiz this week so we'll have to uh it'll just have to be a shorter installment of the podcast but it's still near an hour so you still have plenty of uh content to feast upon um, and of course, Josh not being here shortened us a little bit, but Lester didn't play anyway, so he couldn't have given us his, uh, expert advice, um, on what he thinks there. He was gonna, yeah. I, I actually, I was gonna mention this in the intro, but I forgot to, that I got to see him this weekend and I was, cause I was down in San Antonio. And so I saw him spent pretty much the whole day on Sunday with him. Um, and which what was really he good. He made, um, in the crock pot, some chicken thigh uh spicy tacos so he put the chicken thighs in the uh the crock pot loaded them up with seasoning and let them cook for like three hours and then he shredded the meat and uh, we had tacos so it was like a full course meal for chef josh he did have an absolute disaster with the queso i will say he bought this cheese that is called oaxaca melting cheese and i think he thought that that meant that it would melt easily 
um, which would make sense, but it did not. Uh, he left the queso on, in the bot for like an hour and it never melted, so it was just like this globulous mass, um, which he did put on a tortilla and eat as a taco, which was a little bit strange, but, you know, do what you will, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, he was going to talk about the Venezia game because he's kind of closetly becoming a fan of Venezia and Cadiz in Spain, but um, apparently they both lost and it was both terrible performances, so <laughs> he was he was going to have to come on here and sulk anyway. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he's a little bit worried about he was say, he was talking to me about it. He's worried that they're both going to get relegated and then he won't be able to watch either of them next season. Um, but, I mean, I guess that's what he gets for picking two newly promoted clubs. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so shout out to Josh if he's listening, which he's not. But if he is listening, <laughs> we love you. Um, <laughs> On the odd chance. Yeah. So, but to the two of you that are here, um, Ethan, thank you very much for joining us. Absolutely. And Reese as well. Thank you. Of course. And uh, thank you to the listeners who are no doubt around and uh, conglomerating in high number to listen to our excellent content. Um, we love you very much, and we thank you for sticking around so long. And, uh, we I mean, I mentioned this last week, but we have uh, just been steadily increasing, what with the uh, involvement of Chris and uh, the, the new stuff for Manifest Media, who we want to say a big thank you to again. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just a, a period of steady growth for the podcast, really. So we're uh, looking forward to keeping it going. And uh, we thank you all for listening. We hope you all stay safe, healthy, and in one piece kind of morbid but um <laughs> it's a goodbye from us